Well, here we go. Welcome inside edition number 144 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only in my own mind. I would be Ross Brendel. You can find me on that Twitter machine, at Brendel Ross. You know by now the stare drum, the snare drum, that is, means go for football Review and preview edition of Minnesota Sports Chat with Daniel House from Gophers Guru. One of our final review and preview editions of 2022. Hard to believe that the season has pretty much already come and gone. Daniel is on Twitter at Daniel House NFL, and he joins me now in the flesh. How you doing, Daniel? In the studio, great Hubbard broadcasting. It, it just, I come in there, I see the map on the wall, all that nice glass. It's like, I, I'm feeling the love from the Hubbard broadcasting family. That front lobby, I kid you not, it's pretty impressive front lobby when you walk it in. It is. I remember what it used to be. It was all wide yeah. open in there. You walk right in. Now it's it's all controlled and they got their big, you know, 50-inch TV up in there. I'm seeing old Ben Lieber up there on Twin Cities Live like Do you know what we got rid of that I don't I don't love it and yeah. I, I'm sorry Hubbard family. Maybe actually I take it back. Maybe that we are still paying homage to it at some place in the building. I just haven't noticed it. Do you remember back in the day, the Score North Gopher Show days? Yeah. When you would walk through that front area, there would be like green tape on the ground, and that signified where Minneapolis ended and St. Paul started. Oh my gosh, no way. I miss having that because this building sits on both it, it, Minneapolis it's like and St. Paul. It's the Mall of America, the base of Met Stadium out of Mall of America, yeah, man. Yeah, you can't do that. We had our own demilitarized zone in here in the in the middle of the Hubbard building here on campus off a of university we can't break traditions but i'm sure maybe maybe they're gonna put it's like the base they're gonna put it back in i don't know yeah you never know well i mentioned university avenue that means we're not far from the university of minnesota right down the road walking distance is huntington bank stadium this past saturday the gophers fall by a final score of 13 to 10 to those iowa hawkeyes at huntington bank stadium this despite 269 <laughs> rushing yards from our man Mo and one touchdown. Uh, Daniel, what stood out to me, and I'll get the head coach's thoughts here shortly, but I just want to get out of the way what really stood out to me at the end of the day. Not even necessarily that the Gophers lost with 269 rushing yards from Mo. Yeah. Overall, I thought the defense played really well. Mm hmm. But I just don't think you can allow 220 passing yards to Spencer Petrus. And I think yeah. that the big passing plays is really, I believe, what launched Iowa to victory. Almost as much as the bad turnovers and missed opportunity. I don't want to say it was a dropped interception yeah. late in the fourth quarter. but would've it would have been a tough play. Correct. But it would have been really nice to have that. So the two things that stand out is you somehow lost a game that you rushed for over 300 yards and Spencer Petrus threw for over 200 yards, which I just don't think can happen when you're the home team. But I think it shows you the themes that we talked about last week, the turnover battle, field position. They lost the field position battle by 12 yards. That dang punter. I, I've been saying all year all he does is put people down inside the yep. five-yard line. I think he did it but to the see, Gophers three here's times. Here's what's going to happen someday when I'm – in a position in football somewhere, I am going to value the kicker and the punter more than anybody because I tell you what, 
A, you shouldn't have to worry about it. B, it's a huge factor in the game. You look at the box score of this game, uh, just the difference in overall total EPA for special teams, it was a significant margin. You look at the takeaways that that Iowa was able to generate, Minnesota has a win probability of 74% prior to Ethan Calicomanis' interception. It goes all the way down to 26% after that. And it was at 70% on Moe's fumble as well. So Minnesota was starting to assert themselves, take control of the game, wear Iowa down. If you can make two plays at the end there, uh, you probably leave there with a W. When you pull your win probability house that you like to talk about, are you yeah. pulling that from ESPN? you pulling that from a different, different site? Different database. So okay. there's databases out there that allow you to look. It, it basically takes into account all the situations and games that have occurred in, you know, like a decade of data sample size. So, you know, to be in that position, to have a chance to win the game, I look back, Ross, and nobody's talking about this play. It's 3-0. It's 4th and 2. I was in Minnesota territory, and Braylon Oliver blitzes off the edge there and gets a run at Petrus, and he just slides away on that tight end delay. Get the first down, you know, in that situation, if you're able to finish that play or even affect the throw, it's, you know, I equate a turnover on downs to like a takeaway because it's that valuable when you look at the numbers. So that was a play I felt like a Minnesota could have gotten off the field there. It's 3 0. You're in the first quarter. The flow of the game probably changes. And it, it, it's not 10 nothing. It's 3 nothing at that point. We talked about winning the first quarter, and Iowa did that, and it, it was a big asset. So how about this one, House, on that topic? Yeah. Uh, All game long, I I was okay with running Iowa into submission because it was working. It was working. Yeah, it was working and it was awesome. And I'm also the guy that says you need to have more of a semblance of a passing game. So I do realize I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. No, I understand what you're saying, though. It's like I'm not asking to be like in that situation throwing the ball 50 yards downfield trying to stretch. You know, they play quarters coverage, taking away the big play. Like they were doing some coverage things, you know, with – you know, bracketing and, and different things underneath. You know, they were playing in that situation there. It kind of looked like it was cover seven. I don't have the all 22, but, you know, the, the DBs were matching up man and they had some bracketing going on underneath. And I mean, the 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 play, it, you know, the, the quarterback, Riley Moss, makes a great play, gets his hand on it. The ball's placed just a little bit better. And the play is maybe able to be made. You know, I just look at it as like, okay. You got to be able to get the ball out in space a little bit, even if it's like a screen, you know, a quick hitting play. I thought that drive early in the game was outstanding blend between the run and the pass. And I'm not saying you got to do that all the time. Like you, you were able to really run the football and control the line of scrimmage, but to be able to blend in some quick hitting throws just to get four, five, six yards to get yourself in better down and distance situations. It keeps the defense honest. It opens some things up. It stretches them out. I feel like Minnesota, when they get the personnel at receiver, they need to be able to stretch defenses out. I think it would be a huge help for them. This is where I'm going with the running and passing game. You're marching down the field late in the second quarter. It's 10-7. You've started to seize the momentum. You're starting to run Iowa into submission. It took a bit of time to get that going, but once it got going, Iowa really had no answer for it. I again, if you pass on third and one and it's successful, I'm not complaining. 
So take that with a grain of salt. Oh, you're talking about right before I'm half? I'm talking about there? right before half, and you roll Ethan out to the opposite side. He misses a few open receivers. Yeah, I mean, that split zone flow there, you know, they were setting that up the whole game, you know, and then they bluff that backside. The backside defender crashes. It's open. I don't know what the progression is there. I'm curious to find out. What what is it? Is there an alert there that when that when backside defenders crash and you got you know they're crashing hard on that? Do you let the ball out into the flat? I'm guessing yes, but we will never know. The players and the coaches are the people that say that. But I look at that situation. I go, okay, how would the two minute strategy have been if PJ had timeouts available? <laughs> oh, I don't even want to talk. I about wrote that. a piece uh, on the website just talking about operational timeouts. I, I have a di- there's a difference between a timeout and an operational timeout. Operational timeouts are like, can't make a decision on what you want to do in fourth down, can't get lined up correctly, don't have the right personnel on the field. All those sort of things fall under that umbrella. Minnesota had no timeouts left in the second quarter with 11.08 remaining. I'm of the opinion you get one free operational timeout in the first half. That's it. You can blow it however you want. If you don't like the look, whatever. Unless there's like a catastrophic situation where you're going, oh my gosh, going to give up a 50-yard play. Otherwise, you can take penalties, delay games, like all those things, because I truly feel, and I've done the research, that timeouts matter. you got to have two timeouts with four minutes or less remaining in the half to have yourself in the best position for a two-minute drill, even if you're on defense, because you can burn those timeouts on defense and get the ball back, or you can use them on offense. I'm a huge fan of using timeouts on defense, especially late in the second half, but I've done a ton of work on this, and I feel like... Minnesota needed to have even one timeout available there for Kirk Shiraka because it it sort of hamstrung what he was able to do in that situation. When the Gophers passed in that situation on third and one and it was incomplete, I was mildly positive they were still going to go for it on fourth and one. They didn't. Slick Trick misses the field goal, and in the long run, I'm not saying that cost them the game, but those were in a game where every point mattered. Those were three huge points and really deflating. Yeah, I think it right was like fifteen percent win probability lost on the field goal there, just missing it. But you know, I I don't have as big of a problem there because I'm looking at, you know, the numbers said to go for it, okay. But in that situation, I feel like you have to blend football instinct together. There, it's windy, it's cold. You're playing Iowa. You know, points are a premium. You don't have any timeouts left. If if you had one timeout left. Maybe your strategy's a little bit different, even leading into that that sequence of plays there. I just felt like with no timeouts, with points being a premium, you're not kicking into the wind there. You know, the West End, the wind, you know, when you were going into the West End, there was nothing going on when teams were going that way on the field. But the wind still took this one. I mean, that, that stadium is unreal to me because it's kind of dug down in there, and the wind swirls in there. It's very hard to sort of get a feel as a kicker of the wind because it can change on a dime. So I didn't have as big of an issue there. I What I had a bigger problem with was the the fourth and maybe an inch or a yard there uh, on their own 36 in the first quarter there. I thought P.J. was maybe going to go for it, but then called timeout and decided to punt there. That's an that's an example of an operational timeout. If, you, if you're thinking you're going to punt there, take the five-yard penalty and punt it. Here's what uh, potentially the next head football coach for Auburn University had to say about the uh, Gophers' loss to Iowa on Saturday. Disappointing loss um, coming off the rivalry with Iowa. Uh, a lot of positives to take from that football game. We did everything but win the football game. That's what's really uh, that's what's hard. Um, 
when you're swallowing that pill to really you know, outplay a team the entire game and have multiple opportunities to win the game and, and not do it. But um, you know, these lessons teach us an awful lot. We're going to learn a lot from it, grow, and move on. So to us, it was a one-game championship season. We did not win, but we're grateful for the opportunity to learn, and we'll move on from there. Okay, I say that semi-facetiously. I do not believe that P.J. Fleck is headed to Auburn, although if you search the annals of the interweb, there are some rumors there. It doesn't mean anything, but they are they are out there. Um, uh, Daniel, your thoughts on what you heard, and then my question with that, uh, P.J. is who he is. He's never going to change. He shouldn't have to change. He's allowed to be who he is. I'll say this, especially after heartbreaking, gut-wrenching losses, I'm getting really tired of hearing about we're going to learn a lot, there's a lot to learn from, and we will learn a lot, and then the same mistakes and same things keep happening. I don't really know what I expect him to say. It's just at some point, you start. it starts to get a little tiresome to hear those same things over and over again. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Ross. I think, you know, this year it's been the case of, like, you're gonna, you're, we're all going to look back at the season – and pull out plays from games. Like the Purdue yes. game, yep. the Mike Brown Stevens drop leads to Ugh. an interception. I mean the fourth he, and one stuff the, on the twenty nine. Yes, that. Like all those small little plays, okay, they make a difference at the end of the season because you know what? The Big Ten West, it, it always comes down to one score. Like you would not believe the percentage of games that are decided by one score and the percentage of games the team that scores first wins in. I mean, it, it is truly astonishing. That's why I'm always of the opinion that the first quarter is the most important aspect of Big Ten West football because the points are a premium, and whoever can get it done and get on the scoreboard first puts himself at an advantage. So, you know, I, I, I look at this and go, Minnesota's got to figure out how to play a perfectly detailed game, okay? Don't make the turnover mistakes. Make all the routine plays. Like you said, be able to have a semblance of a passing game that you can use when you need to. And to maybe keep the defense honest a little bit. I felt like the run game was working. I thought they were wearing them down. Mo, I mean, I feel so bad for Mo Ross because like after the game, I mean, he comes out, talks with, with all of us. And it's just like, you know, Mo left every ounce of that out there. I mean, that was one. Of, I I think that's the best game Mohammed Ibrahim's yep. ever played as a Gopher. Nah, it's look. You can the fumble is poorly timed, I mean, but it's un- it's not his fault. Unbelievable. The 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 determination, the ability to just let his blockers set up, and you know, assist. You know, that's what I call it. Like it's an assist. Kirk Shiraka was telling telling us about that last week. Like that's the special trait that Mohamed Ibrahim has. And I think Gilbert fans should just enjoy this opportunity to watch Mo yeah. run the football again because I tell you, it's special. And it might be one last time. I don't know if he'll play in the bowl game. I hope he does, but my hunch is that he probably won't. So enjoy it on Saturday, and I hope he's got something left in the tank. Before we move on to Wisconsin, here is what uh, P.J. Fleck did tell Mo, and uh, this audio courtesy of the Gopher Sports YouTube channel. I just told him how proud of him I am, uh, how much he's done for this program. Don't you ever be ashamed, and don't you let everybody, anybody else tell you you should be ashamed of anything. That guy's fumbled four out of 800 carries. He's the, arguably the greatest running back here and one of the greatest backs ever to play this game. 
Don't you ever be ashamed of one play. And that I was told a long time ago, one play does not lose you a game. And that is true. Now, one play can win you a game, but one play cannot cost you a game. There's too many of them. Um, but he, he, that's all I kept telling him. And that's what I told him yesterday. I couldn't agree with that anymore. Oh, Everything sure. that he said is true. And again, I love to poke fun at PJ, but I also do love PJ. And you, you can tell there's an emotional tie for him to that kid and that player. Again, can I call a guy who's now in his mid-20s a kid? I don't know if I can. <laughs> but uh, you, you, you do hear the affection there, and, and I, do, I do appreciate that. Mo's done so much for the program. I, I look at this group of seniors and, and what they have done, the, the moments that they've created. I mean, Tanner Morgan, for example, beating the Badgers twice, winning that big one in 2018, bringing the Axe back to Minneapolis. John Michael Schmitz will go down as one of the best centers to ever play for the Gophers. Like, he might be the best one that they've had. Potential. Like Greg Esslinger and him. You know, I I just, I I tell you, he was sensational in that last game. Like, I just enjoy watching him play. And I I look back at him, like Tyler Newbin, for example, uh, someone who was a highly coveted recruit out of Illinois that they were able to close on and bring him in. I mean, there are so many guys when you look back at you know the, the class that entered sort of when PJ arrived and, and a couple other guys that came later. Uh, the, they've done a lot for the program, and I think fans just enjoy watching Mo do his thing because man, that, it it's unreal. Some of those players have done a lot for the Gopher football program. What does a lot for me each and every morning? My cup of beans, coffee. You're giggling at me, but it's true, Daniel House. You are, you are the best at transitions. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm I'm only so good at it because I make it obvious to the masses when I'm proud of the transition that I made. Like the <laughs> Dead one silence yeah, after. Yeah, just waiting for everybody to go, wow, he's really good. Beans Coffee Company, they are celebrating one year at their brand new roasting facility in Mankato. And they're inviting you to celebrate with them. How are they inviting you to celebrate with them? They've released a new blend. It is the Profectus blend. It's a cherry robust light roast, and it's permanently joining their outstanding lineup. View this roast and all of their roasts at coffeebybeans.com, coffeebybeans.com. Don't forget to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT when you place your order. You'll save some cash, and you'll be supporting Minnesota Sports Chat. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the U.S. with free Mm -hmm. shipping on all orders of three bags or more. Coffeebybeans.com, coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT. They can even set you up with a coffee subscription so you never have to worry about what am I going to get some of, of this coffee? coffee? Oh, when are you going to use the promo code Sports Chat at coffeebybeans.com? I mean, I mean, you're, you're an influencer here. I'll, I'm coming into your studio. I'll get here. you some coffee. Are you a big coffee guy? Oh, I'm a huge. Yeah, coffee you can. Guy. You, I, now that I think about, it, I've seen you with your frufu drinks. No, I don't. I'm, I'm a black coffee guy. Uh, I'll talk to Mr. Beans and we'll get you some coffee. Mr. Beans. Light roast, medium roast, dark roast. Gotta get roast. the dark. Gotta get okay. the dark roast. Mr. Beans, if you're listening, I need some dark roast coffee for Mr. Daniel House of Gophers I'll Guru. show him some love. I'll show him some love. Uh, here's what uh, the head football coach at the University of Minnesota, currently at the University of Minnesota, P.J. Flack, has to say about the Wisconsin Badgers and the Gophers trip to Madison on Saturday. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily just Jim taking over. I mean, it's a, it's a typical Wisconsin team. They're going to run the football. they got wideouts that can really catch it and run. Um, drop back game, they're doing a little bit more of it than they have in the past. 
Um, you know, they've got some linemen rotating in and out. Uh, the defensively, when you look at them, I mean, they've got really good linebackers that can move laterally really well, tackle well. Um, and then up front, I mean, they've got some massive guys, and they play the edges really well, uh, really athletic defensive ends. And I think the word athleticism comes to mind. They're just really athletic, really athletic at every position. And whether they're 325 pounds or whether 180 pounds, the whole team's athletic. And um, sometimes they're really big, strong, physical, and they still are that, but very athletic across the board on both sides of the ball and special teams. Is Wisconsin really that athletic? I know that sound. I mean, they are. They're a D1 college football team. But by comparison, how athletic yeah, are they? Honestly, I agree with that assessment because, you know, they're, they're known for being a very physical group. But, like, you look at some of the guys in their front seven. I love Keanu Benton. I think he's going to be a very good NFL player, defensive tackle. Their center, Joe Tippman, is super athletic, flexible, very good in pass protection. Hey, now. Uh, interior of Wisconsin's O-line is strong in pass pro as a whole. And, you know, I look at this game and I go, okay, what's it going to take for the Gophers to win? And I believe it's the formula that we have saw for a long time, Ross, is being able to stop the run, get Wisconsin in those passing down situations. You look at Wisconsin, they rank 111th in passing downs, expected points added per play since Jim Leonard took over. They haven't been able to capitalize upon, the, you know, those situations and convert. They are built to stay on schedule, so that's that's going to be one of the keys in the game. I'm actually afraid to ask this question because I'm a firm believer that I can say things and speak it into existence in the exact opposite way that I want it to happen. Uh, let me actually let me backtrack before Kaliak Manis's interception. Yeah, that obviously led to the Gophers' loss. Literally, he is in shotgun, and I lean to my brother-in-law and say, "For better or worse, this is going to be Kaliak Manis's moment." Three seconds later, picked off running the other way. So that's my fault. That's on me, Gophers fans. When it comes to Graham Mertz, why hasn't it worked out? Was he overvalued, or has there just truly never been talent around him? Here's what I will say. He needs to have a perfect pocket, okay? Here's the statistic for you. You ready? Graham Mertz has completed 61% of his passes, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions from a clean pocket versus 44% with two touchdowns and four picks while under pressure. See, and that scares me because the Gophers have not done a great job getting pressure this year. They have to be able to, they're, they're probably going to have to blitz in this game a bit because they need to get that pressure rate. When Minnesota's pressure rate is above like 30%, they're playing really well. Their their front seven is clicking. They're affecting the quarterback. So, you know, the difference in this game is going to be up front being able to apply pressure to Grammar, specifically from inside, being able to push interior, hold the edge, and and not give him vision lanes, impede the vision, and then also be able to maybe get a takeaway or something. Because I honestly I think I think Wisconsin's played a lot better. I I've noticed a significant difference since the Purdue game. Uh, Alexander Smith, cornerback, came back, and that's made a huge difference for their defense and their secondary. So, you know, Minnesota, they're, they're going to have to be able to, you know, open this thing up. I feel like Wisconsin's going to have a very good scheme. They're going to put an extra hat in the box, and they're going to say, okay, like, Minnesota wide receivers get open, and you're going to have to have some designs to get guys out in space, uh, some pick plays, different things like that to sort of, you know, be able to find that rhythm offensively. And you notice when Minnesota does that, the offense looks totally different. 
as we record this pod, the Gophers currently three and a half point underdogs. ESPN basically calls the game a toss-up, says it's like 53% yeah. that Wisconsin will win, 47 that Minnesota will win the Gophers. We know they're seven and four overall, four and four in the Big Ten. Wisconsin six and five, four and four in the Big Ten. I think for both schools here, House, the game doesn't have nearly as much importance as both schools would have hoped that it would have had at the beginning of the season. But it's still big because it's a rivalry game, big because of what happened last year, and huge for bowl slotting. If Minnesota can go on the road and win this game, they're one game clear of Wisconsin. They beat Wisconsin. You'd like to think they'll head to a better location. Not always the case, but it is big for those reasons. And I'll say this, Daniel, it's big for me because I'll be honest here. This is probably the most down on the program I've been since PJ Fleck has been here. And I know we're only a few years removed from going to a New Year's Day Bowl and the Outback Bowl. I thought last year was probably a bit better of a season than we wanted to give it credit for, but still mildly disappointing with not necessarily how it finished, but where it finished in just kind of an also-ran bowl game that nobody could watch on a a weeknight at 10 o'clock. And then this year, House, I mean, sell to me what the Gophers' best win is. Against a three and eight Nebraska team, is that the best win? Is it the Michigan State win? It sure as heck isn't any of the non-conference wins. It's not Rutgers. It's not Northwestern. Well, this is your opportunity to get the signature win. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like I think the Gophers really need this game, and I'll be, I'll be pretty disappointed if they don't. And again, it's just a small sampling. But leaving the stadium on Friday or Saturday with the masses house, yeah, pretty much everybody was grumbling about PJ. And I know a lot of that is that's just, you know, that's heat, heat of the battle of the moment, in yeah. the moment. But I won't be super thrilled if the Gophers lose on Saturday. I, I, I've i been waffling all week on if I think they'll win or not, but I, just, I think this game is incredibly important. And, and I'm going to phrase it to you this way. Here's why I think it's important. Yeah. I think it's going to be really tough for this team to go to a bowl game next year, looking at the schedule, looking at what they're losing. So if the Gophers are to lose on Saturday, they'll go into this season. Literally, my friends and I joked about this. You'll go see the Gopher barn at the State Fair. The trophy case will be there, and they'll just have like a tarp over it because there's going to be nothing in the trophy case. Then you don't go to a bowl game next year. I'm telling you, if that's the case, PJ's going to enter 2024 on the hot seat. Without a doubt, he will. It's it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, more so than ever with NIL and college football. Here's what I'll say. The, this game's vitally important. The, the transfer portal giveth, the transfer portal taketh Take away. Yeah. You know, I, I look at this offseason and go, okay, you need to kill the transfer portal. You need to, you need to go out and you need to get some receivers in here that can win because you know what? You got to be able to get to the point where teams aren't putting a hat in the box because you're able to shred them vertically. That that's that's being multidimensional offensively. Now, I'm not saying that you can't win by running the football and and all that because you certainly can, but you need to be able to take what the defense is giving you. Correct. And, and I'm getting to that point where and you need the threat. The threat of being able to go downfield needs you to be there. Stretch the defense out. I'm more of like I'm not saying you got to be an air raid, but I'm saying like you got to be able to get the ball out in space and put some pressure on the defense. Make, stretch him, make him defend every inch of the field, and that I feel as if the receiver position is the biggest priority this offseason through the portal. 
it, just look at some of these teams that have done very well in the portal. They they add more wins to their win total at the end of the season because they did such a good job there. So my thing is, is you're recruiting, your transfer portal. You need to get better personnel on the offensive side of the ball because I feel like the personnel on defense is fine. Like I see a lot of really good young players coming up on that side of the ball, but I feel like from a skill position perspective, especially at receiver, Minnesota needs to continue not only developing some of the guys that they have, but they need to come in and get some speed on this offense. They need to get some guys that can win vertically, win side to side, and make the defense have to you know respect the threat of throwing the football. Because I still think I, I'm, I'm kind of cut against the grain a little bit. Like, you know me, I'm big, I'm into the numbers. But I still think w- running the football is very important. That physical dimension of running the football is extremely important, especially in this type of conference that you play in. But you've got to be able to win with play action. You've got to be able to dictate, you know, you, you can't let the defense dictate how you're going to play. You've got to you know, dictate how the defense is going to play you. You know, who wins on Saturday? Oof. I truly i I think Minnesota wins. I think if the Gophers win, house if the Gophers win, I don't expect it to be easy. But I think at the end of the game, we'll go. Well, where was that all year? It, it could <laughs> be like a twenty-one. I, I, honestly, I could see it being like a twenty-one to seventeen type of game, or it'll be lopsided one way or the other. Okay. All you right. know, it's it's truly like the win probability has Wisconsin at fifty eight percent right now. Last week that was about what Minnesota was at. Yeah. Yep. So I I don't know what to expect. It's been so topsy turvy. Like it's like if you make the plays, you don't commit the mistakes, you're gonna be in a in a position to win. Well, let's take a quick look around the Big Ten. Of course, Black Friday, we have Nebraska and Iowa. Saturday, the game, Michigan at Ohio State. Rutgers at Maryland, Illinois at Northwestern, Minnesota and Wisconsin, Purdue and Indiana for the Old Oak and Bucket. Michigan State is at Penn State. How excited are you for Michigan and Ohio State? I'm very excited, Mm -hmm. but I do think that Ohio State will win the game, and I think they might win it by as much as 7 to 10 points. I could see it, especially since it's at Ohio State. And, you know, Ohio State's receiver weapons, I mean, they're just absolutely dynamic. C.J. Stroud, you know, we we don't need to say much about him. Like, he's going to be, you know, the top quarterback picked in the draft and literally every trait that you're looking for uh, in in an NFL quarterback is there. And I like Jim Knowles' defense, too. I, I trust Jim Knowles as a defensive coordinator. I think he does an outstanding job. Of you know not being too complex defensively, but you know mixing in some things and tweaks that put pressure on the opposing offense. I know I want to see how Michigan State's front does against Ohio State's offensive line because I think Michigan State has a very dynamic pass rush that you know that's going to be Michigan, correct? Michigan, Michigan, Michigan is going to have a dynamic pass rush where you know how is Ohio State going to handle that? That. That's the way I the path I see for Michigan to win that game is they're going to have to affect Stroud with the pass rush, and they can't you know get gashed on early downs with the run game. They got to get them in situations where they can kind of tee off with the pass rush. That's that's the key matchup I'm watching. Uh, how bad do you feel for Tennessee's Hendon Hooker? What a great season, Jeez. and then to come to an he end the way the top, that it has. Top overall play action passers. I I I love some of the the data splits that I saw from him as well. I thought like. 
you know, there'll be an NFL team that really likes him and is going to give him a chance. And so now you wonder where he's going to fall on that draft board. Um, unfortunate deal. So here's one for you. I, I obviously made the joke about P.J. Fleck to Auburn. I don't believe that that's going to happen. No. That's more me just being still frustrated about the game this past Saturday. Um, But our guy Lane Kiffin can't possibly leave Ole Miss to go to Auburn, can he? Well, the resources there, man. I'm telling you. I, I get it, but at some point you have to stay somewhere long enough to let your coffee get cold. Yeah, I mean. Your beans coffee. Your beans coffee. Yeah, your beans coffee. Um, I I guess I... I don't want him to leave because if PJ ever leaves, I want him in Dinkytown. Lane However, has, I don't think that would stop Lane because he'll leave a job in a heartbeat if he well, wants Lane to. Lane has had the most interesting coaching journey ever. Like Tennessee, USC, and the Raiders. The Raiders. Like, I mean, now... Alabama. Know, Alabama. Florida Atlantic. Yep. And then he's going to Ole Miss. And now if he goes to Auburn, like... In this age of NIL, though, I I feel like subtly he's been taking shots at, you know, Ole Miss, like the fan base not getting into the game, people leaving the game, you know, all those things and trying to get this NIL. I actually follow Lane Kiffin pretty closely. I I like Lane Kiffin. I I enjoy, like, seeing Oh, me too. I enjoy kind of looking at how he approaches things and, you know, his overall philosophy. So, you know, I feel as if he's looking at it like, Auburn has a ton of NIL resources. There's a lot of opportunity there, um, you know, with the whole reconstruction happening, getting himself positioned where he can compete at the highest level. He sees some some opportunity there. Hey, one final thought on the Gophers, then we'll get out of here. If the Gophers lose to the Badgers, and I don't really care at 7-5, and five, you go where you go and you don't complain about it when it comes to bowl games. But I did see a couple projections going into this Saturday that has the Gophers back in Detroit for the, I think, what do we call it the Little Caesars Pizza Quick Bowl? Lane so, Bowl. Quick Lane Bowl, sorry. That You can't win seven games and wind up in the Quick Lane Bowl, can you? That's I, for six and six teams would, in the conference. I would say, uh, if, I, if I was placing the bowl, if Minnesota loses, I would put them in Charlotte. And what what are we calling in Charlotte now? The Duke's Mayo. Bowl. Oh, that's right. So I, oh, I want to see getting dumped with mayo would on be on that awesome. bald head, man. Yes. <laughs> oh man, they get like one of those like. Oh, uh, I'm in. One of those wipers that you clean your. Uh, Let's go. Car yes, with, a squeegee. You know? A squeegee. Yeah, they're squeegeeing mayo <laughs> off PJ's bald head. I'm in. Okay, I'm in. If the Gophers, let's play this game. If the Gophers win, how high can they go? I think Nashville's a ceiling, is my guess. Okay. But I mean, they're, I don't, they're not going to get to Reliac West. I mean, that's odd. If they would have won Iowa. And that's what we're calling the Gator Out, Bowl, Outback right? Bowl. Is that it? Outback Bowl. Okay. Now. So it's Reliac West Bowl. You got to get up to your bowls I know. here. You, I know. I, it's, to me, I don't get excited till the matchups come out. No, and then we're going to do a prediction pick this year. We're going to Me and you are going to have okay. a little challenge here. I might make you. I might force you to join my buddy bull pick'em league. Well, heck yeah, let's um, do it. I might right now. For, but the problem is, you might dominate all of us, and we'll just be upset and not <laughs> like you. So we actually have a rule that's very similar to the stupid NCAA rule that our our squad Cal Baptist was up against for college basketball. Yeah, you know, you can't go to an NCAA tournament for your first five years. In Buddy Bowl Pick'em, new entrants we don't allow to win. You have to pay the fee to be in, but you can't win in year one. Oh. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, actually, very quickly, uh, Ben's boys, it's been adventurous to start the year, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I think we all kind of knew it would be adventurous again. But, but they have a lot of talent. That's I, the thing. I, 
I think they do. I watched, so we're recording this on Tuesday. This episode's going to drop on Wednesday for your Thanksgiving edition. Um, I watched a lot of the game. If yeah. that, um, I'm blanking on the kid's name, McNamara, whatever, what was his name? Oh, um, the kid who hit every shot in the second half. If that kid wasn't in foul trouble, the Gophers would have lost by 15 or 20 points because he he would have he would have made them look a fool in the first half. But I do think that there's talent. But House, explain to me how a team with this much talent there's <laughs> there's no picking, there's no cutting, there's it's it's all the things I always complain about Gopher basketball. Well, they they don't rebound, they don't shoot free throws well, and they have no semblance of an offense. If Armstrong plays that whole first half, dude. I don't know if they win that game. No, they don't. That's what I'm saying. I mean, is the kid's name Armstrong yeah, from Calabasas? Yeah, Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. If that kid plays all game, the Gophers lose by but, 15 but or 20. But here's what I look at. Okay, they're 356 right now in college basketball free throw shooting. It's 54 awful. 54 and a half, okay? And you look at how frequently, I think they're like the 12th best team at getting to the free throw line. Like, cash in on those opportunities, yeah. man. Like. Ben needs to get these guys, like they're going into Huntington Bank, they need to cash in on those opportunities, oh, man. Well, you're a segue master right there. Not necessarily a segue, but a play on words. Yeah. Uh, Pharrell Payne, I think, is going to be a problem for a lot of teams. Dude, he looks, he looks, he looks like he's going to be a formidable big in this, in this conference. Like, you look at physically, athletically, what he can do, and getting him on the low block, like, I was... I've been impressed. Like he's got great touch. I think Josh Joseph's good too. Yeah, Carrington's been really fun too. I mean, so they got oh, four and Henley. I mean, oh, Henley's been good too. Overall, I'm very excited. I just think this year's there's going to be a lot of growing pains, but I do think having finally getting battle back helps. I, I think there's going to be some games where you, they lose and you're like, oh, that's disgusting. And then what the heck just happened? How did they do that? Correct. But then there's going to be some games where you go, oh, they just beat the 14th ranked team in the country. Yeah, they just beat Indiana. Like th- There'll be something like that this season where we're going, this is the flash for Gopher basketball. Like Here's the moment where we see progress being made. Did you watch... Oh, man, I'm blanking on the game, whoever it was, a couple nights ago. Maybe early or late last week they were on Big Ten Network, and it was Andy Katz was on the call doing color. Oh, and it was Central Michigan. There we maybe? go. That might have been yeah. it. And Andy Katz just went out of his way about every minute and a half to tell Gopher fans, hey, he was basically saying, hey, they're going to be dreadful this year, but be patient because they're going to be good in the long run. And I just kept thinking, I really hope you're right, Andy Katz. Here, here's what... <laughs> Over the years, me and my dad have always said it. My dad coined the phrase, sometimes it's it's investment basketball. So, yeah, yeah. you know, he, totally. he's calling it yep. investment. This is investment basketball. That's how fans have to approach it this season. Enjoy the flashes. And, hey, they're still more fun to watch than the Timberwolves. So, Ugh. Yeah. Timberwolves no are playing better. It. They're playing better. Yeah, well, you know, they, they're playing a whole bunch of injured teams. You know, like, dude. House, you, you – you play who you play, okay? I understand that, <laughs> but you got Rudy Gobert saying, what the heck, why are the fans booing? And then, then you got Chris Finch saying, well, you know, I, I just think of the... Yeah, y- it's opposite message. Play better. You it's know? opposite like, messages, isn't it? Oh, Gobert is kind of ripping the fans. It's always something with the Wolves. <laughs> it always it, is. It always is. Like, can they ever go through a season where they come out and they meet expectations and they soar? Like, it's always got to be this thing where they, like have to soul search for I, a month and then figure it out. I suppose that would have been the year 03-04, the run to the Western Conference Finals, probably. I mean, I know I think people thought they'd be good. I don't think people thought they would have been on the doorstep of going to the NBA Finals that year. 
House, that's all I have for you. Big Thanksgiving plans? Uh, not nothing too big. Just getting ready. Honestly, getting ready for the Gophers Wisconsin game. It's like this is the heart of the the busy season. Like the Iowa Wisconsin games right around this holiday. That people get fired up for it. It's only, you know, it's sad that this season's coming to an end. And we'll do this again. I think I'll have you on next week. We'll review the season. Yeah. Or maybe I'll wait a couple weeks and we'll just talk about all the bowl games and the bowl slotment. We'll we'll figure it out. But it won't be Longhouse before we're previewing Gophers and Nebraska from Huntington Bank Stadium on a Thursday night. That always The big question is who's gonna be the Nebraska coach, man? Urban Meyer. I I'm gonna throw one out there right now. I'm gonna throw out a wild card pick. I feel like Trev Alberts has got something up his sleeve. I feel like he's been working behind the scenes. Michael Leach? Luke Fickle. Oh, Luke Fickle. Yeah, that would bug me. Luke Fickle. I like Luke. That's why it would bug me. I I could see that being a sneaky play if Luke's interested. Oh, very quickly. I'm sorry. We're really rambling. And it's my fault. And I'm very happy for him because I love this guy. He's one of my favorite coaches in the country. Yeah. Mark Stoops getting $8.5 million a year at Kentucky. Good for him. Mark's agent, call me. I need you to represent me the next time I talk to my big boss down the hall. I, I that, SEC, that SEC money must be something but unreal. I'm telling you, you think about like stepping up like from Ole Miss to Auburn like we talked about. Yeah. Like that's on another level too. And like it's only going to get. There's only more money coming with the way college athletics is positioning itself. I, mean, I hope I hope Calipari walked right into President Ad's office and just said, "Well, remember he's been trying to get a facility, a yep. upgraded facility there." Well, they can't afford it anymore. They just gave Mark Stoops eight and a half million dollars, eight point six to be exact. Rubs Calipari the wrong <laughs> yeah. way. Coach Cal better be walking in there saying, "I want fifteen million a year, or we're not we're not even talking until I get that." Yeah, this, this college sports landscape, give it five years, and I just can't wait to see where it's at. What are people going to find at gophersguru.com? Uh, you'll find a breakdown of the last game against Iowa, a couple of podcasts, including this one, and uh preview of Wisconsin, and just a lot of next-gen content that fans can check out. Uh, features, I got a feature coming up this week that's going to be rolling out for thanksgiving so you want to keep an eye out on that it's always great to see you i wish uh, you and your family a wonderful holiday season a happy honda days and toyota thon to you and all who celebrate okay thanks man that's daniel house one of the absolute best an absolute gem gophersguru.com at daniel house nfl on the twitter machine check him out and please also check out coffeebybeans.com for beans coffee company it is the holiday gift giving season why not give some delicious coffee to somebody try a new blend if you're a coffee i guess snob i wouldn't necessarily say that i'm a snob but a connoisseur it's always good to try new blends and companies give coffee by beans a try use that promo code sports chat my thanks to daniel house my thanks to you for listening please rate and review kindly tell all of your friends about minnesota sports chat I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you. We'll talk again real soon.